This is the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast, Episode 37, the Chelsea Flower Show 2017 and Gardening Jobs and Plants of Interest for June. Plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs. Hello and welcome to the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast with me, Richard Farrer. And me, Sue Mack. This is the podcast to help you get the very best out of your garden with our regular features such as jobs to do in the garden and plants of note for this time of year. Coming up in this episode, we will be discussing this year's Chelsea Flower Show with interviews with Chris Beardshaw, Professor Nigel Dunnett and Joe Wiley. We'll have our plant of the month for June, which is Hookera Chocolate Ruffles, also called Coral Bells. We have jobs to do in the garden and the vegetable garden and forthcoming garden and flower shows. We are now into June and it feels a little bit like summer. Today is certainly summer. We have had some bad weather as well. Spring has been a bit cold, but it does begin to feel like summer's here. The nights are much shorter, which means we've got longer days. We can spend more time in the garden. And you're certainly itching to get out in the garden today, Sue, aren't you? I am indeed, because we've had a week of really miserable weather and now it's going to be stunning. So, yes, straight after this, I'm going into the garden. And what are your plans for today? Oh, clean up, because <laughs> you know we've had very bad winds this week. We've had lots of rain. Everything seems to be leaning over. So I need to go and prop a lot up and mow and just generally clean up again. It just takes its toll. It takes time, doesn't it? But you did quickly rush out the day when we had some winds and tied up our delphiniums. I did, and I managed to keep them safe and secure. <laughs> I don't I know did. how, but I did. And you I'm did a so grand pleased because they're amazing this year. We've got a really dark blue with a little white centre, haven't we? Oh, they're it's beautiful. gorgeous. In our new flower bed as well. That's right. But everything's flourished in that new flower bed. It's going mad, isn't it? This is a bed you prepared last year. And we do have photos on our Facebook page, which you can get at plantadvice.co.uk slash Facebook. And it shows how we laid it out, how you dug it over. And you took a lot of time preparing the bed. Well, we've learned, haven't we? They talk about always prepare your bed first. So because we were starting a brand new one, we did that took its toll on my back though but wow hasn't it paid off it certainly has you put a lot of grit in and some well-rotted horse manure yep and everything is going great guys it is it's amazing we planted quite a few grasses because we like to tie that together we've seen that done at chelsea which we'll talk about in a few minutes but they've taken over a little haven't they (laughs) they are amazing we had one left we put in the front garden and it's like this weedy little thing and we the ones in the back are like a huge they're gorgeous aren't they Mm. in the wind really feathery they're really really nice yeah well recommended. Well, we alluded to Chelsea. We were extremely lucky again to go to Chelsea this year. But it was a little disappointing, wasn't it? Very disappointing. What were your thoughts about it then? Well, I think we were both a bit of shock, weren't we? Because half the gardens weren't there. Yeah. Usually they have 17. Then they had eight big show gardens. And not even all as big as normal. A couple of them were cut in half. They were, yeah. 
it felt like there were a lot of blank spaces with fillers. Yeah, well, there was, wasn't there? Yeah. They'd made a few more eating areas, which is, yeah, is great, but not really worthy of the Chelsea Flower Show as we've known it previous years. We've been there for nine years. This is our ninth year, and every year is spectacular. And there were some beautiful show gardens, but the overall effect was just somewhat diminished, wasn't it? Very poor. And every time you stopped, you heard everyone commenting on the same thing because it was just so noticeable. There were some lovely gardens. We saw Chris Beardshaw again then. Oh, that was amazing. And that was, his gardens always appealed to us. It was an absolutely beautiful country garden, but he only got silver gilt. Mm, Now, that doesn't sound bad. Silver gilt, I think for most of us, is an amazing medal. But Chris, he just wins gold after gold. He knows his stuff and he got a silver gilt. Even Joe Swift and Monty were shocked. They could not understand why he got silver gilt and I was hoping we were going to bump into him at Chatsworth House and ask him the reasons because now they do tell them what they did wrong but Chris Beardshaw doing anything wrong doesn't seem possible he knows his stuff exactly but it was nice to see the public voted for him and he got the people's choice award the public came out and voted well it was stunning it was just beautiful I think the RHS perhaps have lost their way a little bit they seem to be going for, well, they've got the Ponzi one that, gardens. yeah, and it's, there was one, it was done very well, but it was quarry, a the quarry, quarry one you're and talking it about. Did, yeah, and it did look like weeds. Mm. It was planted immaculately, really well done, but nobody in their right mind would have that in the back garden. No, and even people that we've spoken to afterwards that watched it only on TV said the same thing, and they said it looked like it needed a real good clean out. <laughs> you need to go with some weed killer And he around. got gold, so there I know, we go. because he did it well, yeah, yes. He made a good job of making it look a mess. Well, we talked about Chris Beardshaws. We did love his garden, and we did actually catch up with him at the show, and he explained the philosophy about the garden to us. This is a bit habit-forming, Chris. You're back at Chelsea. It's very addictive, isn't it, Chelsea? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's one of the joys of producing show gardens, of gardening, isn't it? You know, you, you try one thing, you think, yeah, that's kind of working, and then you have another go, and, and it was great that Morgan Stanley wanted a third garden here, and, um, you know, slightly different pitch, slightly different perspective. We're on Main Avenue, long section of Main Avenue, 22 metres long, which is the first time that there's been a 22-metre-long garden on Main Avenue. It's and, a different um, shape garden, though, is it? Different aspect. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, by turning it round you do get the impression that the dynamics of the garden have changed a little bit. In fact, it's only two metres longer and a little deeper than a normal show garden. But also, when you look at where we've put our specimens, the things like the Pinus sylvestris, pulled right to the front corner, Asa campestri pulled right to the back corner, you know, we're stretching the, the space that's available. And that gives the perception that the garden goes on beyond where it actually exists. And also, of course, on Main Avenue, you've got the beauty of the plane trees, oh, this yeah. wonderful the avenue of historic plains. <laughs> and by standing here, you almost get the impression that our garden drifts off into the avenue behind. You're borrowing the landscape, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it is a trick that we all use and try and use in our gardens. Some landscapes you might not want to borrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it, isn't it? You know, you, you, want, you use your strategic plants in a very cunning way to either reveal or conceal, and that's really the decision that you make at the design table when you're, you're structuring the, the garden. And how would you classify this style? Well, the brief I had from Morgan Stanley was very much to produce something that was educational, and so we pursued the route of what happens if you start to explore the patterns of nature 
and so there are two ends to this garden. The far end is a woodland garden, and the terrace we're looking at at the moment is a much more open and sunny terrace, a temperate terrace. And the reason that we have these two extremes is that I wanted to explore the diversity in the patterning of nature. And in exploring that and, and exploring, you know, what is that chaos of nature? How do we explain the chaos of nature? You know, the, the pattern of bark, the pattern of branching of trees, of the way uh, flower petals will whirl around a stem, that sort of thing. In explaining that, we use mathematics and we use fractal yeah. geometry and fractal mathematics. So I wanted to know, well, where else does that occur? It's not just in the plant kingdom and in the natural kingdom. It is actually in music as well. So this is very much a garden which speaks of musical patterns. The Woodland End is a piece that was inspired by a, a composition by J.S. Bach, which is Concertion No. 3, the Adagio from Concerto No. 3, and this end is very much Mozart's sort of pomp and ceremony and, and, and carnival atmosphere of Mozart. It does have a bit of a classical feel. The yew toperies remind me a bit of some of the structure in Versailles. Well, it's lovely to try and use those historic structural elements, as you say, the, the Taxus topiary, you know, the Pinus leucodermis in its more rounded forms they provide a hint of the history of gardens but also to contemporize it with what is really quite a modern looking oak and stone structure in the center which is a performance stage for music that is stunning yes well it's, it's again i mean it's picking out natural patterns you know when you look at the struts we have a 45 degree huge oak beam which is then halfway up it at 45 degrees comes off a second and halfway up that one at 45 degrees comes up a third and it's just supporting the roof and then we have the twist in the in the struts which gives us a twist in the roof so the whole thing you look at it and think well how are those angles working there's a kind of an understanding of the structure of it but disbelief that it can stand up and, and in many ways that replicates nature you know how do trees stand up how do they produce their branches how do they hold their leaves oh, they don't sometimes <laughs> well yes exactly <laughs> let's hope this survives well, for Chelsea. well I, it's pretty secure I'm, I'm pleased to say <laughs> do you think you'll get to a time if you retire from Chelsea Will you retire from gardening? I don't think you ever retire from gardening, do you? I think gardening is... I started gardening when I was four, growing seeds on a windowsill like lots of kids. Became fascinated by how they respond and the interaction between human beings and gardens, the effect that it has emotionally and spiritually. And I think, how can you possibly live without a garden? I couldn't agree more, Chris. And this would look lovely in my back garden. I might need to borrow some of the neighbour's garden to fit it in. But <laughs> well, that, it is stunning. Well, that's very kind. Thank you. I mean, it's a, always a joy to be at Chelsea. And we did a calculation the other day as how many hours on site it takes to build one of these gardens. And yeah. from day one to day 17 of build, which is when we have to finish, we reckon it's about 2,700 hours of uh, work on site. 13 and a half hour days, non-stop. It shows, and I think every hour is worth it. It is absolutely amazing thank you very much chris thank you good to see you that was a gorgeous garden as we both said we would love something like that but Mm. yeah it would take you forever weeding it wouldn't it well it would but i've always said i'd love to see these gardens in situ and to see how you try and maintain these gardens because they'd never look the same would they no it's that snapshot for that Uh, one week and that's it yeah Well, we did speak to two other people at the show. We also caught up with Professor Nigel Dunnett. Now, he lectures and teaches and researches in horticulture, but his garden wasn't being judged, but it's part of the RHS's campaign for greening grey Britain, which I think is really good. And you're actually doing something there yourself, aren't you, Sue? With a, just over the road here, we've got some uh, garages. Yes, yes, we've got garages across the way from us and they always look tatty and tired. And it's a nice little green belt. It's just on the corner. I did make a start last year, but this year, unfortunately, I broke my arm. So I've been a bit 
incapacitated. Um, incapacitated. But I'm getting another friend in the village and her husband, and we're going to really look at putting a bit of work into it and just making it pretty for everybody when they walk around the village. You've started already. You've put a few daffodils around by the yeah. trees. They came and, up. Um, wisteria. wisteria. Yeah. And you want to grab out the restaurant. I want to take it all out. Yeah. Yeah. And ivy, it's just, it is a mess, and I want to sort it. But it will make a difference. Yeah. And I think it's a very good campaign the RHS are doing. And Professor Nigel Dunn's got some good ideas about plants at work, and he's actually tried this at the Barbican at London. Anyway, this is what Professor Nigel Dunnett had to say to us at the Chelsea Flower Show. Professor Dunnett, yes. you're, you're what, what are you a professor in? Uh, planting design and urban horticulture. Planting design. Do you lecture in this or how do you study well, it? Well, I teach it, uh, but it's mostly research into sustainable ecological planting combinations, the use of water and rain gardens so, in landscapes. So this is all uh, just a real application of that. So this is for the RHS's Green and Grey Britain yes, campaign? Yes, yes. And this isn't being judged, but you're trying to show what can be done in an urban environment. Yeah, uh, in a very urban environment. So we have a very urban backdrop and an apartment block structure. And we're looking to see what you can do in even the smallest of spaces to make them lush and green and productive. And then the main part of the garden is social space, uh, a really colourful and joyful place for people to use. And you've got this lovely path. It's... I wouldn't say sinuous, it's quite angular, but it does zigzag through <coughs> well, the garden. Well, it's the equivalent of a winding path through the garden, but it's angular. And that's what we really wanted. It's a very ecological garden, but wanted to make it very strong and very modern. I suppose the angular shapes borrow from its surroundings, don't they? In a they do, and uh, again, it's a little bit different to what you would normally expect in a natural garden. We did that because you, it can so easily be very rustic when you do this sort of thing and I wanted to make it very urban. You don't want to be sort of pastiche, do you? So how do you choose the plants for an urban environment? Do you have to choose for uh, dry conditions or water management? Yeah, it's really more about the aspect of dry conditions, the wet conditions, shade and light. But this is all based upon real things that I would do. And the most important thing really is that it looks good all the year round. Is Um, maintenance an issue? It is, but this is quite simple maintenance, partly because the plants are tough, but also because it's closely planted and so the weeds don't Keeps come Keeps the in. weeds down. And there's never green framework and then seasonal highlight plants come up through. How much maintenance work would you anticipate a gardener would require to look after this? Well, this is based upon a project I've done at the Barbican in London. And there's a team of city gardeners who maybe spend two or three hours a week. And there's also residents who get together in a gardening club. So on um, the size scale of that, two or three hours, it's, it's not a massive amount, no, 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 is it? No, not at all. It really is no, quite... No, it's really tidying up rather than having to do a lot of detailed gardening. And you haven't gone for lots of shrubs, so I suppose you haven't really got pruning, have you? We've got shrubs to give some height and so on, but mostly it's perennials that you can just cut back at the end of the year. And a very muted palette as well. Yeah, again, I, it's very colourful. Lots of whites and blues, but I just wanted to keep this colour scheme really rather than throwing lots and lots of different colours in. I think it really works. It really is lovely. And then you've got the odd little twist. You've got a large pot here which has got three sweet corn growing in. Yeah, all of our planters actually are full of strawberries or lavender or herbs or vegetables, but done in a very decorative way. And when you just have a little tiny terrace or backyard, then why not grow your food but make it look good as well? So in an urban environment... Who gets to harvest the crops? Well, you know, this isn't about being self-sufficient. <laughs> it's about having really nice fresh fruit, like sweet corn or just leaves you can pick and cut harvest and cut again. And cut and or just again, having yeah. lots of herbs you can just pick little bits out of. 
I think it's really a nice example of, of what can be done in an urban environment. Where we live, we've got some municipal garages opposite, and we're trying to do a similar thing, just to do a little bit, just to pretty it up and make it look a bit nicer. If everybody did that, I think it would be a lot greener, a lot nicer, exactly. wouldn't it? Yes. Well, thank you very much, Nigel. Thank you. I do think that's an excellent campaign, and, well, you're on the case yourself in your guerrilla gardening, so... Yeah. It's just it's right opposite us, and you know we're going to get the benefit of it. Yeah. Plus, everyone else in the village will. Doesn't take much to do, and it's a benefit all round. Exactly. Yeah. Now we did talk about show and how it was quite bare. Apparently, in the last minute, two months to go, they still had a huge area they hadn't filled. So they did something with the BBC Radio 2 programme. They had some BBC Radio 2 presenters coming in doing sense gardens. Some were about taste, some were touch, some were smell. And we spoke to Joe Wiley, a BBC Radio 2 presenter, about the scent garden that she worked with. So, Joe, you're here actually doing a garden this year. We've seen you a few years at Chelsea, but you're actually physically involved for the first time. Yeah, it's been so exciting. I came down on the Monday and the Tuesday just to see this place when there are diggers and tractors and people are constructing building walls and there's nothing being planted yet, and then to watch it come together has been so exciting. It's amazing. And our gardens at home take much longer to take shape, don't they? Years sometimes. But you're a keen gardener. Yeah, I am, yeah. And that's the one thing I've learned from gardening, that it's all about patience. It is literally years, isn't it? You plant something and then the following year it won't work and then you think, oh my God, right, next year we'll see what happens. Or it's in the wrong place. Or it's in the wrong place, yeah. yeah. Too big or too small or, yes. We're always tweaking. Are you like that then, shifting things around? Yeah, that's what I've learned recently, that if you don't like something take it out get rid of it or move it to another place where it will look right and did you inherit your garden or did you kind of start from scratch no the garden was there but i didn't really like what was in it so i have taken out pretty much everything that was in there and yeah just completely reshaped it so how have you found the experience working with actual garden designers have you picked up some tips and skills i've stolen lots of ideas and hopefully i'll steal some of the plants from the garden as well <laughs> i think they call it inspiration or oh that's yes, right yeah yes. <laughs> yeah no it, it's really lovely to watch proper garden designers who know what they're talking about they know what the plants are and, um, and have you learnt some new plants yeah Angelica is probably new to me this year I've... oh that's a big tall frothy one white sort of umbellifer yes yeah, yeah. big heads yeah. massive big heads he a bit heads, like cauliflowers yeah. yeah sometimes they look a bit weed like to me though well, they probably are weeds, aren't they? But well, I think at the back of a border, yeah. they give that structure and they're interesting. But a weed is just a wrong plant, wrong place, isn't it? It's all personal preference, yeah, isn't absolutely. it? Yeah, absolutely. A few years back, they had a lot of cow parsley and thriscus in the gardens. Now, you see that in the hedgerows, but it was almost every garden. And most people think that's a weed, but it worked well in the gardens. I've got it in my garden. Yeah. But, however, it spreads, as you know, so much that I spend half the time plucking it out and throwing it away. And then and you just leave little bits of it. It's like, like just stay there. don't spread so has this given you any aspirations to come back and do a garden oh i'd love to yeah but i'm 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 a baby when it comes to gardening i'm just i'm yeah baby steps but that's what it's here for chelsea isn't it to inspire you see things which you can take home plants planting combinations some architectural design or all the hard landscaping yeah no that's exactly what i'm taking from it really yes it's the most inspiring place if you're a budding gardener or yeah. any kind of gardener. Yeah, to, just to be with like-minded people as well and to get, oh, yeah. get their ideas. Absolutely, we all do. Well, thank you very much, Joe. It was a lovely garden, one for the senses, the yeah. smells. Thank you ever so much. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. 
That was a lovely garden. And scents lovely. can be so evocative, can't mm. they? No, it, it was really pretty, though, what they'd done. It was very nice. A nice sweeping arch bench, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, very and nice. Very, again, very good planting, very cottage gardeny, And also with the smells. You've got mm. the lavenders. I mean, that's a famous one. But there are so many plants that have nice aromas, aren't there? Yes. Well, while Chelsea may have been a little disappointing because of the gardens, we decided we'd go to the RHS Chatsworth Flower Show, which was the very first time this year in Derbyshire in the magnificent grounds of Chatsworth House. We were all set. We knew the weather was going to be a bit inclement, so we had our raincoats, our jumpers. We were all prepared. We got there about half past ten got set to go around about 11 o'clock. Then about 12 o'clock they closed the Grand Marquee. We were reserving that because we thought when the weather gets really bad, we could go and shelter in that, but they closed those. Then at half past 12, this whole show was closing at 1 o'clock because the wind was so bad. So we only had two hours to rush around. We did see some show gardens and there were a few nice ones, weren't there? Yeah, it was really a pity. I was really looking forward to it being the first one to see what they were going to do and how it was going to be presented. And it really looked as if it would be a stunning show. So very disappointed. The setting was magnificent. Oh, beautiful. And they talk about borrowed landscape. Well, what a landscape to borrow in your garden design. And you're right. The few gardens that we did manage to look at were very pretty. But it was just spoiled by the cold weather and, and the fact then that we we had to leave. Yeah, very, very disappointing. Very. I was mortified, actually. But what can you do? It's the British weather and you can do <laughs> nothing about the British no. weather or any weather in that matter. Well, we'll look forward. We will try again next year. It did seem very promising, didn't it? Oh, yes. And every show does have its own little feel and things. And the setting there, as I say, is absolutely glorious. So, unfortunately, we haven't got a great deal to report on that. We might have a few photos we'll stick up on our Facebook page, but they are going to be a bit minimal. And And uh, grey. A bit grey, yes. (laughs) And you might see spots. That's the rain. (laughs) But we have dried out and warmed up now, haven't we? We have indeed. I think the week got better because we did watch it on television last night. And the sun did look up, but we did notice everybody was in wellies. They were, yes. Now, our plant of the month for June is Hookera Chocolate Ruffles. It has plant breeder rights, which is a kind of a copyright for plants. Sometimes hookeras are called coral bells. This is a long-flowering, clump-forming, semi-evergreen perennial, and it has very interesting foliage. It's fully hardy. The RHS have given it an H6 scale, which means it's hardy in all of the UK and Northern Europe, down to between minus 20 to minus 15 degrees Celsius. So fairly bomb-proof, this one. An average growth rate is quite small. It grows to about 50 centimetres tall, 50 centimetres spread. In old money, that's about a foot and a half. It likes full sun or partial shade. And soil-wise, it likes well-drained, Poor to moderately fertile soil, but doesn't like dry soil. Flowers are not really the strongest point of this plant. They're tiny sprays of sort of little white bell-shaped flowers on very tall stems, quite frothy, but they do go from June to August. The key thing about the hookera, and this plant in particular, is the foliage. They are very attractive, brown, purple, shallowly, palmately lobed leaves, about 
10 centimeters long with purple undersides. Now, my best way of describing this plant visually, it looks a bit like a lettuce. So, hookahs do remind me a bit of a lettuce. lettuce. Very dark purple lettuce, but Mm. that sort of feel. Mm. I never used to like hookahs. We saw them first, really, at some of the flower shows. And we've kind of got into them. We've got a few in the garden now, haven't we? We have got into them. We are a bit fussy about the colours, though. We like certain colours. We like the autumn colours. Yes, and the, the sort greens. of brownie. Yes, yeah. although this, I th- have we not got this one in the garden? I don't know if there's a few of this dark sort yeah. of variety. Chocolate Ruffles is quite a famous mm. one, but it does have a really vivid colour. And contrasting that with another one, if you put two or three in a group together, that would work really well, It does well, work wouldn't well, it? yes, because that's what we've done. We've got a group just by the side of the patio. Bit of a shaded area, so it's a little bit moister there, which they do like. Yes, in the new bed, yes, that you dug. They're doing well. They are doing well. Everything's doing well in the new bed. It just goes to show preparation. They are fairly low-maintenance hookahs, generally disease-free. Some of the things you can do is remove old foliage in the autumn and faded flower spikes after flowering. In autumn time also, you can lift and divide every few years. Apply a generous mulch of well-rotted garden compost or manure in spring. Now, one thing I hadn't realised with the hookahs, and we do suffer this problem, so it's something we need to do ourselves, is the rootstock can get a bit woody after a while. So in the autumn, lift it out of the ground and replant with the crown just above the surface of the soil. We've seen those by the side of the patio, those few little hookahs. They do look a little bit woody and straggly at the base. Mm, they seem to move. <laughs> they do migrate over <laughs> the do. wall. So it's we're like going to do that and we're going to put it back where we originally put it. And plant it a bit deeper. Yeah. And every couple of years do that. Pest-wise, they can be prone to vine weevils and leaf eelworms. Vine weevils are horrible. We've had them in one or two Boss plant pots goodness. in the past and they're horrible aren't they they just munch away silently at the roots yeah, the next thing worried. you know the things wilting over and like our ingium at the moment we're a bit worried about that one aren't gorgeous we? sea holly it turns vivid blue later in the year but it's just flopped over and it's not like lack of water well they don't like too much water that might be the problem because we've had yeah, quite a bit of rain lately investigate yeah after we've recorded this you'll be out there. i'll be out investigating Now, jobs to do in the garden for June. It can be a drier time of year, although it hasn't been so far. So if it is, try and save and store rainwater. You might already have a water butt in your garden. The more, the merrier. We've got two now. I think we would have more if we could, because you do use those an awful lot, so don't you? I always use them. For watering your pots, yeah. Yeah. If you do have a water butt, it's a great way to take advantage of those torrential summer downpours that are often characteristic of the traditional British summer. Water at this time of year is particularly precious, so save and store every drop of rainwater that you can. If you're on a metre, it could also save you some money. Time now to also cut back spring flowering perennials. Many that have just finished flowering can be cut back hard now. This often encourages fresh new growth and a second flush of flowers. The oriental poppies are a good example that will benefit from this form of treatment. Irises. Keep the rhizomes of the irises clear of foliage 
of other plants if you can. This allows them to bake in the glorious sun, which will definitely result in a better flowering display next year. We have, for the first time, planted irises. We got some from my brother last year. We chucked them in at the end, well, about autumn time, wasn't it? September? It was, yes. We just plonked them in the garden because we thought we need to get them in. And they've given a magnificent show, haven't they? They were beautiful. And you can see the rhizomes on the surface and they are clear of other foliage, so they are going to bake in the sun. So hopefully next year we'll get an even better show. Yeah, they were very pretty. Nice blue colour, weren't they? Mm. Slugs and snails are a perennial pest for gardeners. So in particular, protect your hostas and other vulnerable plants from them. Set beer traps around the plants if you can with sharp grit. Slug pellets, some gardeners use. Mix blessings on those because, yeah, it kills the slugs, but then hedgehogs can eat those slugs and they can die. And we do love hedgehogs. One thing we have heard of is putting a little jam jar on its side and the slug pellets in the jam jar. So the slugs can go and eat those, but the other animals can't eat the slug pellets directly. We've done that once or twice because of the hostas in the garden. do get particularly munched, don't they? They do. I don't well, know we, if it really works there. I mean, I do do it because... We try to protect the wildlife as well. Yeah. But we've tried something else this year and last year. We bought nematodes, which are tiny little worms. You add them to your watering can, water them in, and these kind of... It's a biological warfare against slugs. And they do seem to be fairly effective. Yeah, I think so. We try and do it all organically, so let's hope it's effective because <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of work. But it is a lot try. of work, but we don't want all the plants munched by the slugs, do no. we? Now is also a good time to prune any shrubs that have just finished flowering. The deciduous carrier, for example, should have any branches that are carrying spent blooms removed. Leave any flowerless shoots, they will flower next year, with evergreen shrubs just trimmed to the desired shape after flowering. This time of year is also a good time for open gardens, especially the National Garden Scheme. So for inspiration, you can visit gardens that are open to the public, often for charity. You can gather ideas to make your own garden even more interesting and colourful at this time of year, ready for next year. And if you're out and about sitting at your patio, why not purchase plants with fragrant summer flowers? Plant them in close proximity to your patio areas so you can sit and enjoy them for the next two or three months. Next to our patio, we have a lavender, don't we? Yes, we do. Which smells nice, but the bees also love it. Bees do love it. It is nice to just sit there, isn't it, with a drink and watching the bees being busy and collecting all the nectar. Lots of other jobs to be doing in the garden. It is a busy time of year. Regular deadheading to keep the flowers flowering. Regular lawn mowing, but raise the height of the cut in very dry weather so you don't stress the grass too much. Trim the border edges. Regularly spray roses against green fly and black spot. We've been using sulphur, haven't we, Sue? We in have. the watering can against black spot, which seems to work well. It does. It does and really I well. I didn't realise in the Victorian era... Black spot was virtually unheard of, and apparently that's because they burnt a lot of coal and that had sulphur dioxide, and that sulphur dioxide prevented black spot. That's amazing. So, so that's like, what we try, we're we, doing yeah. now, we're creating that. Much more gentle approach. And it does work, it really does work. We just get a little bit of a, a white sort of blotchiness I think I overdid the, the sulphur. I'll turn it down when I do them again. Everyone thinks it's a new rose. No. <laughs> no, but it hasn't got black spot. No, none so. of them have, which is great. So it's definitely working, yeah. 
Also, you definitely need to water and feed containers and hanging baskets regularly. They will dry out, especially with wind and warm weather. And continue to pinch out the vegetative side shoots of tomatoes, encouraging the development of more flowers and therefore fruits. Also feed them with a tomato feed or high potassium feed once a week. In the vegetable garden, you can sow outside chicory, lettuce, peas, runner beans, French beans, courgettes, marrows, pumpkins, radish, carrots, turnips, swedes, beetroot, spinach and broccoli. We've got radish, haven't we, Sue? And we some beetroot. And I know we've got some lettuce, but you're going to go and sow some more, aren't you, this afternoon? I am going to do some more. And I'm going to blim and work out how to keep <laughs> the cats out of there. Oh, Yeah, that's a problem. We've got nets to try and protect everything from the birds. But cats manage to get through the a gap in the net. The nets are there for the cats, cats as well. But and they think it's their find toilet, a hole somewhere and it just drives me nuts. It does rather, doesn't it? It's horrible. It is. Last thing we want is cat poo all over the lettuce. Yeah, but it's not only that. They dig up all the seedlings and then the stuff's got to start again, again, which I'm going to have to do again today. It's infuriating, isn't it? It is. Yes. Moving on quickly on. (laughs) 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 Time also to plant out young plants that have been started indoors of celery, sweet corn, tomatoes, leeks, courgettes, marrows, cucumbers and pumpkins. You did bring some courgettes on inside and you've planted them out now. We've got four, I think. One's doing much better than the other two, but they've got flowers on. Yeah, they're doing all right. We generally do well with our courgettes. Yes, we do very well with courgettes. And to make it all worthwhile, it's time to harvest rhubarb, peas, French beans, tomatoes, onions, radish, carrots, turnips, beetroot, early potatoes, spinach, cauliflowers and cabbages. Forthcoming garden shows. Now, forthcoming garden and flower shows for this month from the 15th to the 18th of June in the UK at the NEC in Birmingham is BBC Gardeners World Live 2017 and BBC Gardeners World are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. We're going to go to that one soon, aren't we? We are going to go to that one. Let's hope we get better weather. (laughs) (laughs) At least we've got Uh... the... We know the NEC can't go inside, away, yes. so we can go and shelter there. <laughs> we can, there's lots of shelter that we can find there. But hopefully it will be a better day, and it will be interesting to see. It's 50 years. Whether they have a bit more of a spectacular show there, oh. they pull the stops out a bit perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We will yeah, it'll see. be interesting yeah. to see. I mean, they are trying to do something. Every week on Gardener's World, they featured a plant, didn't they? Which yeah, they to try and the tra- best plant of the past 50 years. It was the one that's made the most influence, impact, imp- influence yes. or impact yeah, yeah, on yeah. you or on the UK. And we forgot to vote, didn't we? We did forget to vote. I can't remember all the ones that were yeah. in there. but I think I would have had to go for the rose because that is my favourite and <laughs> that was Roses featured. are your favourite. But there was some lovely ones. I think they did. Did they do hookahs as well? can't remember. So yeah, really there, remember. there was a lot. There, there was, was a lot. wide variety, wasn't yeah. there? Well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's about all for this episode. We did enjoy Chelsea, although it was muted. Let's just hope that... 
financial things are a bit better next year because it just followed Brexit. After Brexit, people had to apply for Chelsea. And I think the financial institutions got a bit twitchy. Yeah. And I can understand if you're spending 300000 on a garden and economic climate's a bit uncertain... Well, we've just had an election now, and that hasn't gone quite as planned. So who knows? Chelsea could be a bit muted again next year. It might not be a Chelsea next year at this rate. (laughs) I will tell. Mm. Well, for the rest of us, we're not going to be spending £300,000 on our garden. That's a lot we can do. We're also sharing plants with some friends in the village, aren't we? Yes, we are. Which you, is good, you, I you think. You took round a lavender yesterday to a friend Yeah, because we have lavenders pop all over the garden. Self-seeding. Yeah, we do really well with our lavenders. They make a beautiful show. So we dug one out for her and I potted it up. I thought maybe we need to get it potted up and get some going first. And she said she'll do the same with little plants that she's got spare. That's a great idea. So it when is. you're lifting and dividing plants, if you've got a bit share. spare, share around. Yeah, it all merges, helps, introduces you to new plants as well. Well, Sue, I know you're itching to get in the garden now, I aren't you? I am. It's nice and warm out there, so we've got to make the most of it. Indeed, indeed, yes. Well, wherever you are, enjoy your garden. We're here in the summer at the moment. I know South Africa, Australia, that's winter time there. But there's plenty you can probably do as well in preparing for next year. So that's all for this episode. Thanks ever so much for listening. And don't forget to get outside and enjoy your garden. And until next time, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. This podcast was brought to you by plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs.